All right, what is going on, guys? It is time for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. But wait a minute. This isn't on our normal day. What is going on? Well, it's actually pretty simple. Today, Wednesday, we are doing our Waypoint Wednesdays live stream. But I got a feeling if you're listening to this, you might not be tuned into that. So here's a rerun from last week or previous week's episode of Waypoint Wednesdays live stream. Making sure you guys stay in the loop with information. So quick background on Waypoint Wednesdays. Waypoint Wednesdays, we try and do a little bit more of the technical stuff, components and things like that. Uh, Equipments, how-tos, things like that. That's going to be the goal for Waypoint Wednesdays, aside from our normal podcast programming. So with that being said, guys, I hope everybody... I I keep saying guys. Let's go with ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope everybody enjoys the show worldwide and you guys can tune in to waypoint wednesdays live on youtube but if not you can always listen to the rerun here and on your favorite podcast platform so once again with that being said let's get to it
right, what's going on, guys? Welcome back. Waypoint Wednesday's number episode number nine already. It's crazy. It's been nine weeks already on this. So, well, we skipped one. We had uh, had a vacation thing going on, and so didn't get a chance to uh, do an episode for that one. So let me make sure the behind-the-scenes camera is, is ready. So if you guys are following on Instagram, uh, we have the behind-the-scenes camera. Tongue-tied. Behind-the-scenes camera going uh, on the Instagram live feed. Uh, if you guys want to jump in on there, or if not, comment below in the uh, YouTube chat, and uh, I'll get to your question or concern or whatever it may be. So... Uh, what do you guys think about the elevator music? I think it was kind of a nice touch, right? Some elevator music to get us started, kind of a chill. Uh, it's been a really busy week, so I'm trying to, to rope things in. Uh, Billy, I see you're in the uh, Instagram. What's up, sir? Uh, we need to chat, and I keep trying to get time to call you, but it's not happening, and that's not cool. So uh, we're going to get you on the show here soon because, yeah, we want to talk uh, some rally stuff with you. Um, but okay. So let's see here. What do we got going on? Uh, the big thing coming on this. Oh, hold on. Got to wear the official hat. There we go. All right. Now it's a party. Uh, okay. So this week has been super busy. Um, I got a project going on at uh, the house and trying to get that done. Um, and then really it's my parents doing it, uh, helping me with it because, uh, I just, time is, is realize as you get older, how quickly time becomes a more valuable asset than money does, uh, which is kind of weird and don't want to get all philosophical and whatnot, but, uh, that's what it, uh, what it feels like. But anyway, um, so they've been helping me with that. It's been a tremendous help. Um, I am trying to get the bikes ready for, uh, you know, we got Project 501, the Husky 501 that we're working on, um, getting that motor-minded tower on it, getting everything just dialed in on this thing. Uh, it, it's a long project. And, you know, I took a running bike, took it apart. Um, I know that it was it was maintained well, but I still, you know, had that itch. And there was still some things that I wanted to do to make it um, more comfortable and, and slightly better suited for what I wanted to do with it. Um, so we're almost there. Um, but then from there, uh, the 790 came along and then Raid Garage did their thing with their new uh, rally tanks for the front, uh, Rottweiler with their rear tank, uh, their triple clamps. And so I've been I've been burning, burning on that one. Um, if you can uh, if you can imagine two bikes completely apart, I was uh, showing pictures to uh, Travis from every single Sunday about it and talking about uh what it's like, you know, having two bikes apart. And then he goes, well, try having three bikes apart. And the difference between mine and his is that all three of those bikes have interchangeable parts. So that makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, let's see. <laughs> Dave starting off, uh, Victor getting all mushy on us. No, that's not the, uh, that's not the plan. So we were just talking about time, but anyway, um, for you guys actually both on this side of it, um, it looks like American Rally Originals, I had some news. Actually, let me pull it up really quick. Um, I saw there's something going on with uh, Baja Rally uh, and the American Rally Originals for the San Quentin Rally. It looks like they're teaming up. So uh, let me see if I can bring up some info on this. Hold on, let me pause the elevator music. I'm pretty sure you guys can't hear that, right? Oh no, maybe slight soft background noise. Uh, let's see here. Jump into the email. I'm trying to remember where I got that one from. 
again, probably stuff that I should have been prepared. But anyway, I was really stoked um, to see this, that we were talking about some more, um, talking about some more information and getting some classes on rally stuff. So let's jump into that. Marty, thank you. Thank you very much for the props. We got to come up and see you soon. Get everybody, uh, get everybody up there to Randsburg. We'll talk gnarly Dave into making us some or letting them use some routes or making some new routes for us up there. So, uh, for those of you guys who don't know the, uh, the cottage Inn, uh, located up in the high desert, uh, Southern California, a ton of great riding right around that area. So great hotspot. So I'm looking forward to visiting, uh, visiting up there and, and checking out some of the rides and trails and stuff that's out there. Uh, so kind of centrally located to a bunch of trails. So I am excited to do that. I just got to get a bike ready for it. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Looking through that. Sorry, it's taking me a second here to find this. Uh, but we will find it. I just got to look at it through here. All right. Let's see. So basically what we're doing is, is going to be a, uh, it's going to be a simulated rally. It's a couple of days, uh, out in the desert with some routes. Um, we're going to get to meet the guys from the American rally originals team. Uh, the ones that will be there. And then we get to talk road books and classes. And the cool part about it is, is that it's like a class and simulated rally. So you can actually, um, get a chance to get out on some stages, practice at your own pace. It's not timed. It's, you know, it's, it's not necessarily scored. You know, you want to do keep track of time and penalties and things like that. But, uh, basically we're just going to be bench racing with buddies, uh, is, is my impression of it. So I think we'll have a really good, uh, really good time down there. I know, uh, Dave Pearson's going to be down there. Uh, let's see here. I'm just jumping over to their website because of course the one email I'm looking for that I got that had all this cool info I can't find right now live because that's just how it rolls. But let's see here. Let's go down to this one. Okay, cool. Website has been updated. All right. So even easier, uh, is if you guys jump on BajaRallyMoto.com. Uh, and then scroll down, you'll see the events there, click on the San Quentin rally, uh, and that's going to get you there. And yeah, so American rally originals, Dakar 2023. Uh, so this event actually helps, uh, with the expenses and, and what it takes to get that team up to, um, up to the Dakar or out to the Dakar. Uh, it's going to be May 20th through 22nd. Um, and basically it's, it's an effort. It's a fundraising event. Um, a lot of great people already involved, uh, on this um, climb RMS, giant loop, ADB moto, Baja bound rally comp. Uh, and then of course, six day Baja rally. And then our friends over at lost in Baja. So, uh, all jumping in on that one. I'm going to be based out of, uh, hotel, uh, mission Santa Maria down in San Quintin. For those of you guys that haven't been there, that's actually a really nice hotel. They own, uh, they own that one. And they also own the hotel in Catabina. Uh, so I highly recommend, um, even just as a vacation stop or just kind of hanging out there. Food's pretty good. The rooms and everything are pretty, pretty stout, real nice. Uh, got plenty of parking, so it's, it's cool. Uh, let's see here. So yeah, so rally roadbook training included paper roadbook for three days. They'll also have PDF files for the electronic roadbook guys. Uh, use of the rally comp device for live tracking. 
uh, and scoring and two-way text messaging, on-course safety and assistance personnel, including sweep, uh, hosted buffet dinner on Saturday night, secured bivouac camping inside the hotel parking lot. Uh, there is no RV hookups if you're planning on going uh, and something, be ready to be off the grid on that one. Um, so I, you know, I, I like that hotel. We've, we done in my time with Baja Rally, we did spend some time at a few different hotels between Ensenada and, um, San Quintin, Catavina, San Felipe. Uh, and I have to say that definitely the San Quintin hotel, um, uh, is, is really awesome. And the parking is huge. So you got plenty of room to bring the toy haulers and all the other stuff that you want to bring. So, right. So, yeah. So anyway, so that's going on, like I said, May 20th through the 20, excuse me, the 22nd. Uh, so that's not too far away, roughly two months. Let's see. Excuse me. Let's see. A May. Okay. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, that is how that breaks down. And it is the one to third weekend, uh, of May. So if you guys got that on your calendar over here in Instagram land, uh, Baja rally, San Quentin rally, ARO, ARO fundraiser, American rally originals fundraiser, uh, going on May third week, uh, 20th through the 22nd. So definitely want to check that out. Uh, if you guys are into rally and want to get used, you know, get started, get your feet wet. Um, that's one of the places to do it at, uh, it is in Baja. Uh, so for a lot of people that may be a little bit apprehensive about traveling down there, uh, we've done this a, a bunch of times. Um, it's, it's a really, really awesome spot. So for those of you that are tuning in on this and in Instagram, uh, if you have the ability to do it and you have the time to do it, you want to get down to this event. And, um, I can tell you that in working in my years with Baja rally, um, as a race director, there was uh, there was a very common theme uh, at the finish line of all of the uh, of all of the stages, and I've said it before in a previous podcast and talked about that. Um, but one of the big things that that always came up every single time, every single stage, every event that I worked, um, it was always the same thing. It was that the routes and everything that um, Scotty and the team at Baja Rally put together. Uh, are absolutely amazing. And when you've got guys that are like, you know, Steve Hengefeld, Caliber, um, Factory Honda, that kind of thing, coming back and saying, I've been racing down here for years and I've never been down this road, um, that's that says a lot. So hopefully everybody that uh, that tunes in, you guys can dig up some more information. Again, it's on the BajaRallyMoto.com website um, and you can check it out, you know, get some roadbook training, go down, uh, ride some stuff in Baja, if nothing else and, uh, and have some fun. So it looks like, uh, I've got the time to be down there. So I'm going to be down there, uh, hanging out with you guys. But, uh, but yeah, so that is, uh, that was the news this week that came out. Uh, I knew a little bit about it coming in, but now it's, uh, it's a little more official and, and looking forward to it. So again, jump over to the website and get, uh, get signed up or, uh, send them an email if you want more information on, on lodging or, or, you know, how to kind of coordinate for that. So, um, all right, so let's see what we got here. All right, let's get over and back over here. Okay, so let's see, we have the Baja Rally event already covered in that. And then let's see, no more elevator music. Okay, so let's move over to uh, Garage Talk. So the last couple of nights have been kind of a turn and burn on getting a 790, uh, the 790 Adventure, uh, ready for uh, the Get On ADV event coming up uh, towards the end or middle of April. 
Uh, that is uh, the Get On ADB Fest. Uh, it's going to be in the Mojave at Zakhar. That is the Rawhide campa- compound out there. And they're going to be um, basically hosting. It's like kind of like a mini trade show, uh, but there's going to be rides. There's going to be camping areas, a lot of stuff going on. Um, so I'm definitely, again, looking forward to being out there. Uh, getting a chance to ride the 790 around. We should have it done. Again, my plan is to have the bike done this week uh, with still a lot of stuff to go. So Monday night was just basically a, a huge teardown of the bike. Uh, if you guys were on Instagram, you saw a video of what was going on, and basically the Raid Garage tower all came off. Uh, got rid of the tower, got rid of um, basically the whole top half, got the tank off of it. Everything just stripped the whole bike down. And, and basically is just getting it ready to be worked on. I was apprehensive, like, okay, well, maybe I should do it in stages and, you know, install the triple clamps, okay? Now install the hydraulic clutch and then, okay, now let's do the tanks. But I realized as I sat there and kind of planned it out that it was actually better to just take the whole thing apart and just be done with it. And, and there was little things that I noticed that like rattling uh, on the bikes, like rattling when I would ride over like washboards and stuff like that, that I could hear coming from the tower. And I knew what it was. It's the cables inside and it's the harness and it's kind of like tapping up against the carbon fiber, which is a great speaker for those, you know, that may not know that, but it's literally just tapping on it the whole time. And so little things like that, that just kind of became annoying and that I knew that I needed to address. So I figured, you know what, the best plan of attack is just take the whole thing apart. Um, So luckily we had the space in the garage um, and I was able to, to capitalize on that. But so day one, complete tear down, get everything down, put the thing on the rear stand and just get rid of everything, drain the gas out of the thing and just clean it up, uh, the best I could. Uh, last night was basically the, well, and I should say, uh, complete tear down. And then I decided to tackle the triple clamps that I picked up at Rottweiler performance. Now, that one was my first like test because for me working on triple clamps on a way like you understand i i'm very mechanical and i understand how things work and i can picture how things work but there are things that i haven't done you know but i it, it for me i just draw a picture in my head and i'm able to figure it out and so going into this uh installing the triple clamps one of the biggest things was like okay well i got to deal with bearing races so Talking a minute about the 790 uh, Adventure, 890 Adventure. And I'm not sure if they changed it for the 890, but I'm going to assume it's the same. The steering head bearings that come stock on the 790, and I know the engineers know what they're doing, are very bicycle-ish. Uh, ball bearing, simple cage, simple race, that's it. Nothing fancy. Um, they do have a pretty good spread across them. So I'm sure the loads, you know, I, I know it's calculated. They didn't just, you know, flip through the pages in the catalog and just go that one and pick it. You know, there's a reason why that bearing is so big and there's a reason that that bearing is so tall and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I was very surprised because most of the bikes that I've always seen steering head bearings on, I primarily the BMW stuff is they have tapered roller bearings, tapered roller bearings. If you guys caught on to the last uh, or one of the last Waypoint Wednesdays when we talked about it and I had the triple clamp here, not on the bike, is taper roller bearings are designed to be loaded in two different directions where ball bearings are designed to be loaded in one direction and that's linear. So in the direction of the ball. So just spinning. That's all it's meant for. 
a tapered roller bearing when used in a pair is is designed to basically take both a like a, a linear and an axial load if that's if i remember that's the correct term and so what's going on if you can imagine when you're hitting stuff on a bike is the fork is actually flexing in and out so that whole like 48 millimeter forks or 52 millimeter forks or 43 millimeter forks that flex is actually part of the suspension and is calculated into it and how the bike feels so if you you're loading it constantly in that direction you're beating up the bearings and so it's best to have a bearing that can be loaded not only in turning because let's face it i mean a steering area i mean how many like i've seen more steering head bearing issues on bikes where they get flat spotted than they actually wear out by being rotated because i mean how much do you rotate the bars it's not very much so the idea is tapered roller bearing they have it in there and <clears throat> I don't even know if they're using this on the the newer bikes, like a 500 EXC. I'll have to ask uh, Travis from every single Sunday. He's, you know, he's he's in and out of these bikes all the time. But my money is on that they're still also using a tapered roller bearing. So I was very surprised to see that on the 790. But uh, Chris and the the team over at Rottweiler, with some quick thinking, picked the right bearing, got everything, and they were able to put a tapered roller bearing setup into the steering head tube of the 790. So I was like, okay, let's give this a shot. And so that was the hardest part for me was thinking about like knocking in those bearing races. Cause all it takes is a little bit to go crooked and you start messing up, you know, the, the bore that's in there. So, uh, luckily, uh, as the instruction video says, um, apparently I now owe, uh, Chris at least one Baja beer uh, for doing it because actually it was pretty simple. So he explains in the video how to do it with a, with a punch. If you don't have the tools, you know, you do it with a punch, you know, just tap and the thing literally falls out. You know, you just got to be patient, tap around, tap around, and then it comes out. And then the other way around going back in, well, actually the bearing race actually slides in a little way. So it's not like you're guiding it in cold, you know, from no, no guide. The top was obviously easier because you're just tapping downward. The bottom one was a little bit harder, but you know, the same thing. You just use the old bearing race to tap it in and, and it goes right in. And that was it. That was the hardest part. And I was like, wow, this is actually easy. So greased up the bearing, put a bunch of grease on it. Again, you want to put a bunch of grease, you know, you, you want to make sure it's properly lubed. Um, but then at the same time, you you know, you understand that it's not a wheel bearing and you really can't get in and pack the grease into all of the little nooks and crannies on, at least on the bottom bearing, the top bearing, you can do that. It's a little bit easier, but it's kind of one of those things that you just, you know, you put, put the grease on there, make sure it's properly lube, rotate, make sure it's got grease everywhere. Cause at the same time, it's not a wheel bearing. It's not expected to go, you know, 10,000 revolutions per mile or what, you know, whatever the number is, 700 revolutions or whatever you want to call it. So it's it's a very different setup in that um but was able to get that on um he tells you how to go through the torque sequence and get everything nice and snug uh thankfully put it in no issues with the steering not you know super smooth didn't hear any creaking where it means that the bearing is still settling which means i was able to tap the race all the way in and for those of you uh, that are maybe gonna tackle this um the bearing race will let you know when it's seated and that's just simply you're tapping and all of a sudden you're going to hear that the the noise that the hammer makes changes and it almost like echoes through the whole frame a solid hit 
and that's when you know the bearing race is pretty much seated but still uh, I would recommend following the video along and doing the torque sequencing that he um, that Chris from Wattweiler uh, mentions in the video to make sure that you do that properly so anyway I was able to get that uh, installed and then just roughly you know bolted everything up put the forks back in did everything I was super careful not to try and scratch the Kashima coating uh, that was a big thing for me when I ordered that from conflict uh, was getting that uh, get that factory Kashima look or whatever and I mean and let's be honest I'm not the top level writer that's gonna notice a difference on it but let's just say I'll feel better mentally that you know I have the best that could be on there um, so from there um, just presented it got it all set up you know just rough draft basically uh, and then just worked on some a couple of small things uh, kind of straighten the wiring out and all of that that was day one so that was a long day uh, day two uh, was basically wiring put the tower back on get the wires ran through make sure that I've got everything kind of situated where it needs to be. Uh, and then I'm converting. So did the Rottweiler triple clamps, mounted everything up, torqued everything down exactly how it needs to be. And then from there, which is very important guys, if you're building a bike and you're, you're tightening your forks or you remove your forks, make sure you use the torque specs because if you're not using the torque specs you could actually be binding your forks and causing issues and not only that but when you do that torque um you do that the fork alignment to make sure that they're parallel to each other and they're not bowed in or bowed out because that's going to smoke the seals faster than you can shake a stick out. i don't know whatever whatever analogy you want to use in there but if your forks are bowed in or out which is very easy to do and very sim like even just a little tiny bit will make a big deal. Um, you want to be very conscious of that. So once from there, another one too um, that I've seen this, and this was actually at uh, at BMW where I noticed this is I had we had a customer come in and that his buddy changed his tires for him, and it was funny because he comes in and you know is barking at the prices and all that stuff and it's a shop and you know what shops have to make money to keep the lights on you know so you know he's not happy about that but you know we're looking at he's all like, yeah something's wrong with it and you know this is after we had gotten a phone call that the bike locked up the rear tire on him twice on the way to the shop and this was driving from imperial valley all the way over to san diego which is 90 100 miles more or less and it's on a street bike double r He's got his girlfriend on the back and it locked up on the freeway twice on him and couldn't figure it had no idea what was going on so he comes in agrees we start on the diagnostics roll the thing up and we start looking at it and we notice that the rear wheel is actually cocked sideways and almost like you know the, the marks that they put on the swing arms it's like three marks difference between the left and the right and so it's obviously in there crooked the disc is like 63 shades of purple i mean it's like toast so yeah we know what happened he boiled the brake fluid because it was rubbing on there constantly so we figured that one out and then we go to the front and the pinch bolts for it are actually missing and the only thing that saved this guy's ass was the design of the forks on the BMWs are designed with like an axle that actually screws into the fork leg. And so it's like, what happened? Well, 
talking to one of the techs with the most experience there or a couple of the techs is the pinch bolts at the bottom of the forks and at the top of the triple clamps as well. Um, you have to check them once you torque one and then torque the other. Um, the split clamp design that like Rottweiler went with uh, on their triple clamps for the 790 uh, is a split clamp. So the two clamps have like separate fingers, but for the most part, they do not do that on like the factory stuff or when I say factory, the OEM stuff. So what happens is, is you tighten one bolt, you torque it, and then you go back up and torque the other one. Well, now the one you first did is loose again. So you need to go back. You need to make sure that's torqued. And after about the third time, you'll notice they're not moving as much anymore. That's when you have that true kind of torque on there. So the same with the pinch bolts down at the bottom. And if you don't believe me, go out to the garage and try it. Tighten it up once and then do the other and then go back to the right back to the other bolt and you'll see that the torque wrench will go a little bit further and that's just the way that the clamp is designed and everything is just finding its home um, but it's very important to make sure you do that that you always you know at least three times go back and forth on there to make sure that everything is properly torqued and by when i say three times it doesn't mean torque plus two degrees it means like just barely put pressure so the torque wrench clicks or beeps at you whatever you choose you know, don't keep tightening it because then you put four or five more degrees. Well, now you're past the 15 foot or excuse me, 15 Newton meters or 17 Newton meters or 19 Newton meters, whatever that torque spec is for your bike. So always make sure that when it comes to the suspension tires and all of that stuff, everything is aligned properly. It look up YouTube videos. There's plenty of them. Make sure everything is aligned properly. Make sure that everything is torqued properly. You're going to save yourself a lot of uh, grief. Not for you. Um, so definitely want to check that stuff. So anyway, okay. So front suspension's done. Everything's been torqued. Um, Single-sided caliper. Got rid of the front brake disc on the uh, right-hand side. Going with the stock caliper. Did the Galfer brake line. Routed that. It's a little bit longer than I needed it. Uh, but we're, we made it happen. You know, put the slack. The wheel speed sensor wire came up a little bit short, but, you know, just planning it and, and going through it, I was able to get it. Uh, and then what we did is we went with a Brembo master cylinder. Uh, we went with a 15 millimeter uh, because the Internet is never wrong. And uh, 15. So there's two of them. There was one at first. It was like, oh, 13 millimeter was the way to go. And then I started reading more about 15 millimeter. So I have both. And the plan is I'm going to try 15 and then I'm going to try 13 and I'm going to see which one I like better. Um, so that's my, my game plan for now. Um, but mounted that up, ran the lines, everything just kind of went together, fell into place there, ran the Magura hydraulic uh, clutch conversion instead of the cable, uh, got that all seated in. And I mean, it's looking pretty good. Um, but I'm not looking forward to bleeding the brakes. So if you guys have any tips for brake bleeding and stuff like that, uh, drop it on the, on the comments on YouTube or send me a message in Instagram. Um, I want to know what you guys do because I'm not looking forward to that. Um, specifically because a little tiny air bubble can lead to a lot of problems. Um, mushy brake feel, that kind of thing. And you don't want that. You want clean, crisp brakes front and rear. So uh, that's the, that's the game plan, bleed the brakes, but, uh, tomorrow for sure, um, going to do the raid garage tanks, get that front end set up, uh, on there, uh, and then start working my way to the back, 
Um, I'm going to take a look because I do have the Rottweiler rear tank for it. I'm uh, going to take a look at what I need to do on that one because I may actually do that and then finish building the front of it uh, just to make sure I'm like doing everything in a thoughtful manner, I guess, uh, because there's nothing like bolting something on, like say, for instance, a triple clamp and forgetting to put the dust cover on it and then having to take the triple clamp off after you've ever, you've already torqued everything. Um, yeah, I, who knows who would have ever done, done that. Um, anyway, um, so anyway, talking about the next topic, no. Uh, so yeah, so that was another big one for me is just remembering to stop every once in a while and plan the continuation of what you're going to do. Um, I also like to save a lot of mini tasks, you know, the little things that you're like, oh, I need to tighten that or I need to run this or I need to move that. Um, I like to save those for the end. So when you're running out of steam, they're just brainless activities that will just get you that much further. Um, so I did that last night and then again tomorrow, I'm sure I'll have more of them. But the plan is uh, rear tank tomorrow, raid garage tanks up front and see how close we can get uh, to the finish line on this thing tomorrow. Uh, you know, I know bleeding the brakes is still the thing. I'm gonna, I got some syringes coming. I'm gonna try the syringe method and reverse bleeding it, you know, starting at the caliper and then working my way up, which I feel like science is on my side for that one. Not 100% sure, but, but we'll see. So gonna do that, raid garage kit, uh, and then the rear tank. Um, I have the shifter. I have the brake pedal I need to put on there. Scott's stabilizer from Rottweiler is on on a uh, back order from Scott's. I know they're working quickly to try and get one in, um, but we are at the mercy of the entire world's shipping delays and all of that stuff going on. So uh, patiently waiting from that. In the meantime, though, thankfully, when they designed the triple clamps, uh, they designed it so that you can get the bracket and bolt the stock stabilizer on. I'm really afraid to run the 790 without a stabilizer on it. So just do that. No big deal. Uh, and then let's see, we got that one figured out. We got the uh, tanks, the seats already done. We got the sale de uh, seat cover, uh, again from Rottweiler. Um, I'm still waiting on the bank information so I could just set up a direct deposit, you know, a certain percentage of my check there. It'll just make things a little bit easier. Um, and yeah, but so did that, uh, earth X lithium battery is already in there. We talked about that one. It's crazy light, but more than anything, the one thing that I, or one of the biggest things that I liked about it is, is that they do have a, um, what do they call it? a battery management system system in it. So it's literally designed to be charged by its 12 volt terminals, uh, and balances itself inside because there's more than one cell inside of that. Even your lead acid or whatever batteries, those have more than one cell in them. And with that, uh, in a lithium battery, you want to make sure all the cells are working evenly so it balances them out um, so that you get the most potency or the most potential out of that battery. Well, the way their battery management system works on the EarthX lithiums is, is that they, the system inside what's in the case actually manages the battery and the charge levels of each cell, which is nice because for the most part, like they state in their information is, is that the bike is the one that does most of the charging, right? The, the battery tender is only for something when you're like, you know, running the bike for uh, a few days and then it parks for a month or something like that. You know, the battery tender uh, comes in and usually it's just two leads. So it's a lot easier to just be able to have one battery tender that's meant for lithium and AGM and all those others 
plug the thing in, put it on the wall and just walk away and forget about it. You know, it's going to keep that battery fresh. Lithium batteries, if they are unplugged, sitting there by themselves with nothing on them, have a much longer storage capacity or storage shelf life than a lead acid or AGM or any of the acid filled batteries. That is a fact. But uh, we talked about this in the other uh, in one of the other episodes when we were talking about batteries is, is that the thing about lithium batteries that a lot of people don't know is, is that it will say 18 PBEQ or 18 amp hour PBEQ. That is lead equivalent uh, or lead acid equivalent. And what's important about that is, is that if you read it, you'll find out that the even your your 18 amp hour battery case and size of the battery and yeah it puts out the cranking amps more cranking amps than an 18 amp hour battery is the actual capacity of the battery is less than one of those uh, a third a half 40 percent something like that it's only about four we'll go with 40 but it's only about 40 percent of the capacity so even though lithium battery is really good by itself, just sitting there, it's not going to be uh, something you want to keep on the bike, especially if it's a bike that has a lot of computers. If you have a computer, it's going to have a draw. It's got to keep memory. It's got to keep some stuff in there. So it's going to draw power. Uh, if you have a USB uh, circuit, even if nothing is plugged in, the USB circuit draws power. Um, so you want to make sure those are on an off switch or on switched ignition. Um, so any of that stuff. Now, the more of those things that you have, especially some of those adventure bike guys that need the longer bolts to bolt to the terminals, this could be dangerous. And, and what could happen is, is you can actually run out of lithium pretty fast. Um, so lithium batteries are pretty tough. They're pretty resilient. Um, but you don't want to be doing that on a, on a weekly or monthly basis. So. Uh, make sure that's something that you investigate before you purchase a lithium. How does the battery manage its cells? Uh, for instance, Shirai has a special charger that you plug into the port and that balances the, the cells. So you can't just plug in the battery terminals. That gets you by, but you got to put it on their charger to balance the cells every once in a while. So anyway, that's the battery spiel. Uh, I am looking forward to getting this thing on uh, on the bench and and maybe get it weighed. Uh, if, if, if things work out, uh, I may actually take the bike up to Rottweiler performance for their bike night. If they, uh, if they have another one coming up, I'll talk to them about it because I'm, I'm excited for this build, but, um, but yeah, so that's pretty much, uh, pretty much it still shopping for tires. Uh, I'm, I'm debating on running something like super, like full knob aggressive for this ride out there. Um, just to see how the bike works. Uh, or if I want to go with something and I'm kind of leaning towards like right now I'm running the Michelin Anarchy Wilds and they have really good traction in the dirt and they're actually a really cool street tire, like a really good street tire, uh, in that, yeah, they're noisy when you slow down, you feel the vibration, but for the most part is, um, they almost handle like a street tire and I think that's pretty cool. You know, it, it, it allows you to push the corners a little bit better, uh, feel a little bit more planted because for those of you that have ridden knobbies on the street and understand what happens um, is, you know, you get that gummy weird feeling because you're riding on the knobs so it doesn't feel as planted. Uh, did, do not have that problem with the Haneke Wild. So, but there are more competitors coming. Bridgestone has their AX41, uh, Battle Cross, I believe. 
Um, then Metzler just recently announced the Carew four, uh, which looks pretty stout. So I'm looking to looking to see what's out there. Um, of course, there are the Motas and uh, and I don't know what others of the world. Um, Motas on my, I mean, they, they make a really heavy and stiff tire. I mean, that that's ADV right up the ADV alley. Um, I just, um, I wasn't necessarily impressed with the front tire and how it worked on my 800 F800 when I did it. I'm stoked how it looked and the traction and dirt was amazing. I mean, the thing was just like super solid, but I realized that on the street, it just ruined the ride of the bike for me. And, and the thing with adventure bikes is, is that as much as they may be oriented for dirt, just like the 798 is, or the 1090 or any of those others, uh, or, or the BMWs as well is you want something that works well in both. And you give up just, you give up what you're willing to give up right? If you're okay, you understand that there's a balance. I'm going to have to give up some tire and I'm going to have to give up some traction somewhere, whether that be in the dirt or whether that be on the street. And you're going to have to give up some stability, whether that be on the street or on the dirt, you know, you have to be comfortable with that compromise. So that's where I think that, and when, what I'm trying to do is, is explore different tires, try different tires until I find the combination that I'm like, dude, this is my tire. So if the Anarchy Wild had a slightly taller knob, I would feel a little bit better about it, maybe. Um, but then at the same time, that might take away the stability. Uh, the Motaz, if it was maybe a little bit lighter and maybe that front tire was a little bit better uh, on the highway, you know, I might be about that. Um, then from there, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, maybe the Bridgestone uh, AX 41, or maybe it's going to be the Metzler Carew four, you know, I don't know. Uh, or maybe I go hybrid anarchy wild in the front and then pick up a Michelin desert race for the rear, like what the rally bikes at Dakar run, you know, I, I don't know, you know, we'll, we'll see what, you know, kind of what comes up. Um, there's always the Kenda big blocks. That was another one. And that I'm still curious about that tire because it's actually pretty cost effective. It's got pretty good grip. I remember on the 800, I liked it. I just think that in the dirt, it felt like it almost had too much traction on the side. So when you're trying to run, ride the grooves, this thing wanted to climb up them. It, it just had so much side bite on it. And, you know, I, I don't know, maybe that's good. You know, big, heavy bike, leaning it over a little bit more, maybe inspires a little more confidence. I don't know. We'll have to try it. So, um, definitely if you guys got a tire recommendation or something, you know, or something that you've tried that you like, uh, you know, do the same drop a comment on the, uh, the YouTube and then, uh, or if you're following along on Instagram, jump on Instagram, uh, send me a message of it and let's, you know, let's chat, you know, let's, let's find the tire. Let's what's, what's the go-to tire for you and, and how did you find it? Uh, we'll talk about that, but anyway, okay. So we're going to wrap it up tonight. I'm, I'm beat. I'm still waking up super early and it's been some long nights in the garage, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, trailer build is going to be coming next. Uh, got, still got stuff going on, but you know what? Uh, I'm excited feeling healthy and it's time to get back out on the bike. Uh, don't forget the Baja rally and American rally originals fundraiser, uh, coming up in May, uh, for the San Quintin rally. 
Uh, we'll see you guys down there. Looking forward to hanging out with all the rally crew and everything. Uh, and then uh, let's see what else we got going on. We got that. And then I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. Anyway. All right. So don't forget, like, subscribe, hit the little bell so you get the notifications uh, when we go live. Try and go live every Wednesday at 7.15 p.m. Uh, for you guys to check it out. I'll usually announce the topic Wednesday morning somewhere in there. Uh, so you guys uh, have a reminder to chime in or you can send me a message with something that you maybe want me to research or find out for you and do. But uh, again, don't hesitate to reach out. Jump on the website, chasingwaypoints.com. Look for it on your podcast, Chasing Waypoints, uh, in the podcast platform that you prefer. Uh, and then also, uh, we are here on YouTube, uh, as well, live on Wednesday nights. So, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys next week. And then also, uh, keep in, uh, keep in touch. We are going to be doing a podcast episode. I know I keep saying that it's just been hectic week, but, uh, I got a lineup of a few people that I want to get on the show and talking, uh, and then get back into that whole in the bivouac series. Cause that was always a lot of fun, uh, talking to different people. So anyway, all right. Thanks guys for tuning in. We will, uh, we'll see you next week. All right. That is a wrap for another episode of the chasing waypoints podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed do not forget to like and comment. We want to hear what you guys thought about today's show. Also, don't forget to follow us on the socials. Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official. On Facebook, under Chasing Waypoints, as well as YouTube. Be sure to catch the updates there. Any live streams or new videos. Hope you guys have a good week. Have it a good day. Don't forget, tag us. We want to know where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Hashtag chasing waypoints.